You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. River City Church this fall, we're going through the Gospel of John. And last week, I kind of encouraged the church to be doing four things. A, getting a Bible and reading the Gospel of John. You know, number two, or B, is that you would consider joining with us in the mission that God's called us to as a church sacrificially in the way that you give, the way that you live, and contributing and volunteering and really jumping in to be a part of our family, experiencing the blessing of being in our family. The other one was that you would consider bringing someone to Church of the Life course because we're so cool and we need you to participate in that. And fourthly, as David, you're going to hear about this next week. We haven't talked at all about what's happening in the fall intentionally because we want you to consider the life course first is that we're getting ready to launch small groups and we're getting ready to launch city groups. We're getting ready to, to do a lot of things differently than we've ever done before at our church. And, uh, and that you would consider being a part or choosing to be in relationship with someone at River City Church. And the reason we said that those four things are necessary uh, is because it's too hard to follow Jesus, to believe in Jesus, experience the things that this world will throw at you and not be in relationship with the church and with each other. That, that, that the information, good teaching, having the right understanding, knowing the right knowledge is not enough. Coming on Sunday is not enough, that we are designed for life, but that life that comes in Jesus will come in us being connected to other people, and we believe that as a church, and, uh, and, and, and we believe that Jesus is the only hope for life, and that's why we're talking about the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, when it said in that, on the screen, the author of John says, the reason I've written this book is that, so you would know Jesus Christ, and then Jesus Christ, you would know life. You would have life, and we all are designed for that. We're all designed for life to the full. You know, but you may say, if you don't know Jesus, well, my life's kind of pretty good, as it is. Do I really need, is Jesus really the only way? I mean, I'm not a follower of Jesus. And there might be people here who are with us today, and we're glad you're here, that might not be following Jesus, might be finding life. You really, in your heart, are experiencing life as you know it to the full, filled with life, Filled with excitement. You're like, I'm a happiness machine. People get around me and boom, they're happy. People get around me and boom, there's joy, there's life. It's like, I, you know, it's like my life is pretty good without Jesus. But the gospel of John, what it's all about is breaking through to the heart of the person that says that and saying, no, you might believe that, you might think that, you might have experienced all of what that makes possible in your life, but if you haven't experienced Jesus, you don't have life. The Bible talks about Jesus being the author of life, the creator of life. We're gonna look at that in 1 John today. Arthur Schopenhauer, this came to me in worship. I wasn't gonna say this, and I don't know how I remembered it. I took like one philosophy class in college. Arthur Schopenhauer, this philosopher, says this, that we're all born like sponges, and everything as we begin is really sparkly and pretty and fun, and we touch everything. We're very sensory-driven, and we collect things from the world, and, the, and we see the world as very euphoric and very fun and very great as a person, as a person would who doesn't know Jesus maybe, until, and he talks about the transition into age, we become cynical, we lose people, we have travesty in our life, and tragedy and brokenness and darkness comes into our life, and then all of the things that we were finding life in, for the first time we realize, don't give life the way that we thought they did. Or while they're with us, they might, but that they will eventually be extinguished by the darkness that we live in in the world. And so it's not uncommon to find younger people, middle-aged people, and even some older people who don't know Jesus, who 
who believe, though, that all that they have experienced without Jesus is all that there is to offer. Last night, I took my three boys to boyhood. It's playing um, at one theater in town. It's the, the life of this boy. And uh, at one point in the movie, towards the end, I'm not recommending the movie. I'm just telling you that I took, took my kids there, so go and judge me. You can. But anyway, took all my boys there, and... Uh, Chase is getting ready to go to college. The boy, the star in the movie parallels Chase's age exactly. And they use the same boy over a 12-year period of time to film the movie. So it's the actual boy when he's 12 and, or, you know, whatever. So when he's 18 and graduating from college, it's when Chase is 18 and he's graduating from college. So all the stages of his life that they filmed were consistent with the stages of Chase's life. So it's really powerful for me to go with him and my other two boys and just watch the transitions. But at one point in the movie, the mother who raised these two uh, children by themselves just starts weeping as the youngest son, the star, goes off to college. And she just wept. And she said, you know, I did this and I, then I got divorced and then I went and got my degree and, and that wasn't enough. And then I got uh, married and then I got divorced again. And then your sister went to college and, and then I got married and then we had this house. And then, this, and then now you're going to college. And she says, I thought there was more. I thought there was more. I thought there was going to be more than this. And what she was experiencing was the loss of life that was coming as the thing that she was finding life in, her son, was leaving for college. And that's what happens, isn't it? We find satisfaction in the things of the world, and even when we begin to follow Jesus, we might find satisfaction in the things of the world, but eventually, God will extinguish those things, and so we're left in the darkness, and we'll have to make the decision on whether we're going to come to Christ, the light of the world. Today, that we'll look like look at that, that, that darkness cannot consume, that darkness cannot overcome. The title of the talk is Jesus, the Triumphant Light. It begins in uh, chapter one, verse one, and it says this. If you have your Bible, you can open it. We love the Bible, we have Bibles by the pole. Or maybe you're like me and you've memorized it in the Greek, and that's fine too. All right, it says this. It's, why is everyone laughing? Like, all right, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Okay, just know, I'm not going to go into all the detail of, of, of why we know this, but John goes out of his way to say that the Word is Jesus, okay? And the light is Jesus. Everything is Jesus in this verse, okay? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Father, we pray that you would come now through the power of your spirit, open our hearts and our minds to receive the truth. We pray, pray, Lord, that you would protect our hearts from the enemy and from his desire to shut us down, to blind us, to cause us to be deaf when it comes to hearing your word and finding life in it. Just come now, Lord, and... Do what you need to do so that that doesn't happen. Amen. Okay. And so we begin here today as we look at the gospel of John through the fall with this, with this idea that, you know, in verse 5, John says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness cannot overcome it. And um, in John 12, 35, it says this. Okay, this is John, same author. Verse 35 in chapter 12. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtakes you. 
okay? Walk while you have the light, because when you have the light, the darkness cannot overtake you. That's where I get the title from, this idea of the invincible light. FYI, a lot of this is coming from a John Piper sermon and Tim Keller stuff and some other stuff that I've read, and so I'm definitely plagiarizing. So don't, like, make a book out of what I'm going to say today, put it on the airwaves, make a video and publicize it, unless you give those guys credit, okay? I'm sure they're listening right now, so that's for you guys, okay? Okay, so that's what we call it. The light is triumphant over the darkness, okay? But why is this the case? Why does darkness not overcome the light? How can we be sure that the light will go on and completely overcome the darkness? And that's the issue, isn't it? Because as someone who follows Christ, and if we say that we have light, we have something that the world doesn't have, a light that is invincible, a a light that can't go out, we should be able to say why we know that's true. And if that is true, that is truly what separates us from the lost and the people who don't know Jesus. Is that when darkness befalls us, doesn't matter. It might hurt, but the light that gives us life cannot be extinguished, is what the author's saying here. And that's really what separates us. It's the person who's finding life outside of Jesus right now, it's finding love outside of Jesus right now, it's finding happiness and joy outside of Jesus right now. At some point, those things that look and appear as they are light and give life will be extinguished. What John is saying, first off, first chapter, is this reality. The light that Jesus is and the life that he brings will never go out. Darkness will never be, over, be able to overcome it. This is, a, this is what is most important. This is why the book was written. So that we would believe and trust in Jesus and find life in him. It's why the book was written. It's why the Bible was written. It's why we gather on Sunday to come and experience the life that Jesus has for us. But if darkness can extinguish Christ or overcome Christ, then what's the point, right? See the point I'm making? And that's what the other four verses are about. The, other four, the first four verses talk about why we know the light will never go out. And so we're going to kind of back into it. We're going to start with verse four and show. There's three reasons why we know the light of Christ will not go out and the implications of those in our life. Verse four, that was pretty good. Wait, 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 don't go there yet. I want to talk about the light just a little bit, the conflict between the light and darkness, just so we're on the same page, okay? Because John makes a point, and throughout the whole book, he talks about Jesus being the light. When John says in verse five that the light shines in darkness, he means that the light, the word has become flesh, Okay? That Jesus, and it's a picture of Jesus descending into the world, into the dark world. The word was with God in the heavens when it was created. But then it talks about, and and, and later on in the same chapter, the word was made flesh. He put on flesh and blood and he came and dwelt with us. And the picture we have is of this light, Jesus, because of his love for us, his desire to save us and rescue us from the brokenness of the world. He descends to be with us. He descends. The light comes into the darkness. He comes to us. All right? And he says in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. In verse 1, chapter uh, 9, that's what I just said. It talks about that. That he came to his own home and his people did not receive him. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. 
This is verse 9. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. So it's plain that Jesus is the one spoken of here. That Jesus is coming to the world. Jesus is here today for you, to be with you, to rescue you, to come to you. He is the one who shines in the darkness. But we see this about the darkness. The world that he comes into, what does it mean? What does the darkness mean? It means that it is evil. That the world that, that we live in is evil. It's filled with unbelief. It's filled with brokenness. It's filled with death. It's filled with judgment. John 3, 19 says, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness, men and women loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. So darkness is the power of evil and unbelief in us that works itself out practically in our life when we begin to look for life in other things that we think will bring that to us in our life. That's the darkness that we all struggle with. It's the darkness that's in each of our lives, the brokenness, the idols we serve, the unbelief that Jesus is the fulfiller of all that we need. So we go to these other little things. May it be a relationship. May it be a a job that we have. It might be money if we have that. The things that we find security in, the things that we think will bring us life. If I could just be happy, if I could just be joyful, if I could just do this or have that. That's evidence that there's darkness in our hearts that we would not receive Jesus in the life that he has for us, what the author's showing us, but instead would choose darkness. That we, this, is, this is, I'm not gonna get into this today, but this is what John's saying right here is that you are wired for darkness when you come into this world and are in this world. You are born into the darkness. You are under the dominion of the darkness, and you will always choose darkness if it wasn't for the light that has come into the world, okay? Because the lie that helps us or leads us to believe the bigger lie that we can find love and life and light somewhere else is the lie that actually, no, you're pretty lightful yourself. You're pretty good. You're kind of half good. I'm not gonna be as good. It's not about being good. The reality, what scripture says, is that we are born into darkness. That apart from God, there is death. For there is none that will choose God. There is none that would choose good. That we are incapable of it, if it wasn't for the light of the world. Okay? But darkness, again, we see being talked about here as this brokenness in relationship with God and that creates in us a desire to find life somewhere else, to find light somewhere else, to find hope somewhere else, to find love somewhere else. And some people would say eventually, because of the world's evil, those things will be extinguished and you will find yourself in the dark. And I say this, that God's love for you is so great that he will extinguish those things that are competing with the light of Christ so that you will be left in the darkness. So you will feel alone, and you will cry out to him. You will come to him. Because Christ is the only light. He is the invincible light. So that's a big deal. If the light can trump the darkness, the the darkness can trump the light. Because what we're saying, what we're teaching today is that it can't. And regardless of what happens, we will still have the light as followers of Jesus. Three reasons 
we can be sure that light will triumph, that the light is invincible. In verse four, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. This means that the light that shines in the darkness is the light of life. John 8, 12 says this, okay? John 8, 12 says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, okay? And so this is the point that John's making in verse four that's saying why, this is why we know that the light will be okay, that the darkness can't trumpet. It's because it's the life of Jesus Christ. It's the light. It means that the light is empowered by the life of Jesus or God. That the life is not stagnant. The life is filled with power. The light is filled with with, with the ability to reproduce when it connects and hits things and connects with people. That this, this, this light isn't like a stoplight or, or, or a light on a shore that shines and is stationary, but the light has life in it. And the life that's in the light will lead us to experience God's love for us. It will lead us. It will move towards us. It will bring freedom into our life. The light has energy and power because the life of the sun has energy and power. When we read the book, we'll see. When Jesus comes on the scene, what happens? Things change. Power goes out from him. As the light of the world moves into the darkness, power goes out from him. Number two, the light has purpose and motion. The kingdom of God is advancing. It's coming. We talk about the light of the world. We're talking about a king who's coming to reign that's always moving forward. And that the darkness will not overcome it. The gates of Hades, it says, will not overcome it. The light of life grows and expands. It's always growing. It's always expanding. When we lead people to Jesus, when Jesus comes on the scene, what happens? People begin to follow him. When Jesus leaves the scene, what happens when, whenever he leaves the disciples? They begin, to, the church grows. What's well, evidence that the light is overcoming the darkness. The light is filled with a life that is real and powerful, and transformational. And lastly, the light produces offspring. I just mentioned that. That it reproduces. Now, I was thinking about this, and I thought, you know, you could almost say the same thing about darkness, couldn't you? The power of evil in our world. Like, if I was skeptical, playing the devil's advocate, or playing the devil, for that matter, then I could say, well, man, the evil in the world... It has energy and power. The evil in the world has purpose and motion. It's doing things to grow its darkness, right? The evil in the world grows and expands. The evil in the world produces offspring. So, Antley, you still haven't convinced me that the light will always overcome the darkness. But we read in the next verse up, in verse three, it says this. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. All things were made through him. Remember who they're talking about here. They're talking about Jesus, okay? The light, the life. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, what does that mean? Like, I'll just give you like, the Antley simple translation. It means everything. 
It means everything. It means that everything that's been created, good, bad, and ugly, was created by Jesus, the creator with the Father. Everything, including the angelic, the angelic demons that fell and have, you know, that are creating havoc and darkness and brokenness in our world. Everything was created. And this is what that means in verse three. If all things were made through him and without him nothing or anything was made without him, the point is this. The energetic, purposeful, growing, reproductive light that shines in the darkness is the life of the one who made everything. And the life that shines in the light is the creator. And we know, therefore, that the creator, if he's made everything, also has the power over everything that he has made. The creator If Jesus is the one who's created everything, if nothing was made without him, then everything that's been made is under his power. It's under his authority. Everything. Everything. There's nothing. That that, that someone who's created something out of nothing could be empowered or be overpowered by. Well, what about the atom bomb? What about the people who made that? Well, if you put an atom up together and the people who made that, wouldn't it be overpowering to them if it exploded and killed them? Well, yeah, I guess you went. No, that's not. Yeah, well, I mean, that appears to be. But the people who made the atom bomb didn't make the laws that the atom bomb functioned under. And they didn't make the materials that the atom bomb is made out of. You see the difference? That the creator of the heavens and the earth and the universe and the galaxies of everything called out of nothing everything in which we see around us, which we experience in this world. And therefore, just on principle, they cannot overpower the light, even the dark things. Why? Because he created them. He's the creator of the universe. It's why we know the light cannot be trumped. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. How do I know that? Because I'm a child of the light. And the light will never be overcome by the darkness, ever. Why? Because the light that lives in me created the darkness. There's a story in Matthew 8 where it talks about these demons that were creating havoc in this city. And Jesus walks on the scene. And this is what the demons say to him. What have you to do with us, O son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? You see, they know of a time that they're set for their destruction. That they are truly powerless and have no authority outside of any authority and any power that has been given to them. They know, they know that the light will triumph. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. First, because the light is energetic and purposeful and is growing and is reproducing. And second, there's life in the light. And second, because the life is the life through whom everything was made, including the angelic powers that fell into darkness. But lastly, 
Not only are those things true, but it says this in verse one. It says, the word, this life, this light is God. You know, people who oppose Christianity are one of the arguments that come, come against Jesus as being the living God or the Messiah is that he never claims that. He never claims that in the Bible. He never specifically says that he is God. But the author John bypasses, when you read commentaries on this passage, this first verse in the book of John, it's interesting. As opposed as, as some commentators and traditions will be when it comes to things that you study and read, this is one of the things that everyone agrees on. Whether you're whatever. Everyone agrees on this reality. That the gospel of John writes for the purpose of getting us to believe, but then he skips the birth narrative. He doesn't even talk about Jesus being, you know, eight pound, 10 ounce baby Jesus. Nowhere in the book of John. Zero. Nowhere in the book of John. The lineage of Jesus isn't anywhere in the book of John. This is what John does. This is, John is, is so impassioned for us to believe and to trust that Jesus is the invincible light, that all of our hope should be placed in him, as that his creation story goes back to creation. He says Jesus was there in the beginning with the Father. This is one of the places we get our theology for the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It says that he was with him, meaning that they were distinct and separate, but that they were one, the same, in purpose, in every way. And John starts with this verse saying, if you're gonna believe, you better believe this reality that Jesus is God. He was with the Father and they created. All things were made through him. All things are held together by him. There's nothing that's been made that has been made without him. He was with the Father in the beginning. He was the word. It says God spoke. Right? What did he speak? And Jesus, the word, came and created all things being made through him. The picture is in Genesis, there was darkness. There was darkness is what it says. It's this tohu of a bohu is the Hebrew word for it. This darkness existed. God spoke. Jesus came through the spirit. And the spirit, it says, created order. And life came. And light came to the world. So when we talk about the power of Jesus to change our life, the light of Jesus invading our darkness and rescuing us, we are talking about a God that is capable of everything. A God that is capable of anything. There's no part of your life that cannot be redeemed, is what John's telling us. There's no part of your life that has been created or there's chaos in or there's darkness in or there's brokenness in that Jesus cannot redeem, that the light cannot overpower. Why? Because it's the invincible light. He's invincible. He is the invincible light and darkness will not overpower him because he is God, because he created everything. And like I said at the beginning, this is what's good about following Jesus, about having him as the light in our life. 
John 16, 33, it says, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I'm reading Ecclesiastes right now. One of the themes of Ecclesiastes, it's very depressing at times if you don't have this perspective, is that evil and darkness and turmoil and stress and anxiety and tragedy and brokenness will fall on both the good and the bad. Will fall on both, evil and the righteous. It comes to us all. Jesus says, better build your house on the rock because guess what? Storms are coming. But do not fear. Find peace because I have overcome the world. Jesus is welcoming, inviting, encouraging us. Believe. The author wants us. Look, you have every reason to believe. When you choose to follow Jesus, you're filled with the life. You're filled with his light. You're filled with his power. You're filled with his peace. We become children of light, filled with the same love and relationship that he had with the Father at the beginning of the world. Believe, it says in John 12, Believe in the light that you may become sons and daughters of the light. That when we choose to follow Jesus, when we choose to pursue and have him as the light in our life, we actually become sons and daughters of light. That becomes our identity. And all of the promises that came with Christ, we receive and get to be a part of. And yet, I still think the struggle for us all is that we have different things in our life, different, so to speak, candles, a little illustration here, that we go to. Either if we'd never followed Jesus, we go to these things, like I said, relationship, money, education, careers, family, our children. There's nothing wrong with those things Except that when we go to them, guess what this candle symbolizes? When we go to them, and they become bright in our life, they take away from the light that Christ has called and has come to give us. When we go to be rescued by something else, they take away from the rescue that we were created for. And so in some of our lives, as believers, we're allowing other false lights, other lights, to diminish the light of Christ in our life. And yet for some of us, we don't know Christ. And these are the lights that we have. Look at this. Dude, my boys love fire. So I, they come home with, actually, I came home with this. All right, Kevin. Hey, Jesus. <laughs> All right? And so, so this is what happens. Like right now here up on the stage, I can't see anything that I've written. I'm just going to have to go for it now. <laughs> that up here on the stage is, is we have this little picture of, of maybe healthy and good things in our life, things that we're not addicted to, like, you know, things that, that aren't causing necessary destruction, They might be good things. They could be things, like I said, like family. 
And this has given off a lot of light. And you can say, man, look at this. My family does bring life to me. It brings light into my life. And whenever I'm with my family, I feel loved, I feel cared for. And the darkness of the world, the evil of the world, it, you know, it, it helps. This really helps a lot. But for this woman last night in the movie, when her son went away, her daughter was like, she was left with no one. And the light went out. The life that was with that light went out. And for others of us, if you're in high school or college or middle school or you're single, you think, well, if I just have a relationship, that will bring life to me. That will bring light to me. Right? I mean, it's better than being in the darkness alone. Who cares what they believe? That doesn't matter. It's just the companionship and the relationship. That's enough. And so for the believer, what happens is this. It becomes a light along with the light of Christ, but diminishes the light of Christ as well because it brings some light, but not the light that Christ desires to bring. And eventually, too, the relationship could break up. Someone could die. Someone could get bored and move on. But the light that was coming from something that could be a good thing leaves us in the darkness. And we can go through each one of these things, and we know that each one of these things, when we invest in them, having a child, making a lot of money, finding our security, and other things of the world, eventually, each one of them will be extinguished. And we'll be left in the darkness, or we'll be left in the light with Jesus Christ. Now here's something that's true about the light that we haven't talked about, that John talks about a lot. Is you have to ask the question, well, why would the light do that? For me, what's most promising about knowing that the light will never go out is because of the love and the power of the love that's behind it. You see, there was a time that the light allowed itself to be extinguished, that the perfect love and the perfect relationship it had with the Father, he allowed, the Father willed for it to be crushed, for it to be quenched, and for it to be gone out. There was a time where the perfect love relationship with Jesus and the Father was blown out so that in our life, it would never have to be. Jesus allowed himself to be crushed and crucified on a cross for our sin, for our brokenness, for our evil. So that we wouldn't have to be alone. So that we would not have to be in the dark. Jesus Christ is the invincible light. Jesus Christ is the only one who has allowed himself to be extinguished into the darkness so we would never, ever have to be there. The band's gonna come up now and we're gonna respond in worship and we're gonna head into prayer ministry with that in mind. My invitation today is for anybody that would like to know Christ or come into a relationship with Christ or come into a living, loving relationship with Christ to be able to do that in ministry time.
But for all of us, I think it's a reminder as we head into this gospel of what do we really believe? What do we really believe about the light? Does it really give us all the life we need? Does it really give us all the light we need? Does it really give us what he promises? And if we filled our life with other things, with other lights that diminish that reality, this Sunday is a great start, a great opportunity for us to remember and to come to Jesus again, to experience the life and the power and the love that he has for us, to worship him as our, as our savior and our rescuer. Let's stand.